Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I really do hope you guys had a great week. Mine wasn't too bad. Um, I do have a prayer request slash praise for a friend of mine, Ron, who's uh, also part of the board for the ministry for Echo Life. Uh, his wife and him had noticed Ron being a little odd. They got him to the uh, ER and they did some tests. And this one doctor, you know, by God's leading had to be uh, decided to go a little bit deeper. And they found out he had a 98% artery blockage and they were able to take care of it sooner than later. Uh, this situation would have been a instant widowmaker heart attack. So, He's doing well. It was very successful and give praise to God for it. But at the same time, you know, that he continually heal and uh, they could figure out how to help him from this point on. So I am very grateful that he's still with us. Uh, he's a amazing friend and uh, has been there for me for situations when I didn't really have any. So um, I just pray that God will bless him and continue. Uh, as he takes care of his family because he is a father of four and uh yeah so that's that's one uh two uh still looking for a house uh we we uh are waiting on one to look at uh there is another house we may look at too uh maybe next weekend we're hoping but whatever it may be god will open the door you know i i kind of have a gut feeling he's going to wait until closer to the end of the lease to have everything kind of work together you know to kind of come together and we'll be ready for that so anyway so we are going to continue the conversation on spiritual abuse um it's just really interesting because as I started kind of looking into videos and articles, I kind of realized even more broader how spiritual abuse can be. And some people have different views of how they look at it or examples of what it could be. Just like I have a video on there, they're going to point out, uh, I guess you could say like, I guess like the question was more, does seminary produce abusive leadership and of course those that are in seminary or at least this group uh people uh kind of are like well no and and then that's the truth that like you got to understand it's not necessarily the seminary or the bachelor degree or whatever school they did they didn't create that person it's the person okay it's the person who I honestly believe because I've seen it more often people who are hungry for attention for whatever it may be they see that being a pastor they kind of get to be the center of attention I guess and they go to seminary or they go get their bachelor's degree and they think you know hey you know people are gonna like me so now, one thing I was when I was listening to that one video, he had mentioned that he the one guy mentioned that he met a lot of young people who are young from the seminary who go and I guess be pastors or whatever, and they get disappointed that people don't like them, so they quit. And that got me kind of thinking because I was kind of thinking to myself, well, that's not the reason to quit but also doesn't real it doesn't identify abusive 
issues. Um, it also doesn't necessarily support that maybe they were being called, which they kind of talked about and they kind of pointed that out. Um, or to, to me, I, I personally think they just weren't ready because I honestly will tell you ministry cannot be experienced just going to school. You can have all the education that you can muster up through childhood Christian education to high school to college to getting the master's doctorate semin seminary whatever degrees it will never prepare you for ministry it will give you insight and understanding of the knowledge but ministry is never real until you actually do it and you, they'll you'll have a lot of education people say that disagree but that's fine uh, i i'm honestly am not a huge fan of sending people to seminary I think they could be trained up like they're supposed to be trained up by the pastors or you know biblical leaders of the church organizations that they can have them in positions. They could teach them how to preach. They could teach them how to do sermons. They could teach them <clears throat> how to minister. They can they could teach them how to train others. It's called discipleship. It's something that God God put you know when He put Jesus down here to teach those guys to do. It was basically being taught by a rabbi or pastor that mindset to a disciple and then those disciples became disciplers of other people and they also were also being even discipled by each other because even paul goes and confronts the disciples about some of their thought process so that's why i always point out that we are in always a process of being a disciple and a discipler or a mentor and a mentee so anyway, so the whole thought is the whole thought process is getting into understanding spiritual abuse. What what is it that's going on? Well, personally, I don't think it's just necessarily one person. I don't think it's just people in general that are the only culprits in why spiritual abuse happens in churches or its people or to other leaders. I think the demons are involved. I could tell you this my last job. I got to see a lot of demons, a lot of demons, more demons than I never thought I would actually see, especially when it was on focus on certain perspectives of thought or, or direction for the church or trying to get rid of certain things that were in a church that to me weren't very biblical. And the, you could like, I, I will tell you this here I'm going to give you some examples. So one, we're in a council meeting and we're talking about, there's a program that was in the church that to me, <clears throat> based on conversations, based on what I saw, based on what people have said, it was uh, a so-called Christian organization, but it wasn't necessarily teaching a Christian perspective biblically. And I sense that. It was only being kept for money and for someone's uh, pride because they wanted it. So therefore they kept it because it made them look good according to how it felt. And so I remember in the one meeting, we, we it was some people were against this group and one person spoke up about it and you could feel the pressure of the room change to a point where it felt oppression and that's usually a sign when de demons are definitely like it's an oppression that you can feel like you know something's going on 
and two, people who usually are not very upset about things or get really angry or, you know, their response is usually not very uh, aggressive, got really aggressive. And it changed the atmosphere to the point where we had to, I remember looking at that guy and him looking at me, it's like we had to just kind of tone down and stop because the oppression was just so strong. It didn't matter how much we spoke up. They basically told us to shut up. And then <clears throat> as they people accepted the direction of where I was heading, it was really interesting how about four months later, I'd really started praying about it. And I had other people thinking about it and praying about it. The next time we met about it, they ch all changed their minds. And I can tell you this, you did not feel that demon's presence there. It was very interesting. It, it couldn't, it couldn't push. It tried, but it couldn't. And of course, the downstairs area, there was a lot of times, even my wife has felt there was a lot of demons. Other other ladies in the church had felt the same thing. Uh, other times, I kind of felt it was in my office because I was in the opposite side of the church. I, like that, those last six months was a nightmare. It was constant. I felt like someone was watching me all the time at the doorway, all the time at the doorway. And I've always thought it was someone standing there. I would look up and there was nobody there. But I really think it was the demons trying to get in, but they couldn't because the, I think the Lord was trying to protect me, but still there's a lot of oppression. That's why I told you about the story where I prayed over the chapel room and just told Lord, please just make this a sanctuary for people. You know, and I would go in there and pray so that I could pray in peace and feel peace. And other people felt the same way. But another time it was another situation with the wolf that got into our church and they were, she was pushing all this stuff and, and, and you, and they were not necessarily true that they were that she was going to do. And she was trying to get the agenda supported by, unfortunately, the leader of the church. And another lady was also noticing that. And she and I had talked and we prayed about things and she spoke up and when she spoke up because she had been changing herself, she had been growing in the faith and, and you could sense, you know, Jesus was first in her life. It was, this is not a joke, but she, she was two, two seats away from me. Um, another gentleman was next to me. It was myself. And then it was my wife. Then it was the mediator of the group. And from near where that lady was at, we felt this breeze fly past us behind us and go out the door and took a left. And the reason why it was so interesting, it was because I looked, my wife looked and the mediator looked out the door all the same, like we could feel. And that tells me that one of the things about spiritual abuse though, is that there is demonic forces around doing things. So even though you might have experienced some type of abuse or, or felt like you were drudging into these dark waters and it just felt like everybody was against you. It felt like even though you did wrong, you repented, they still wanted you out because the whole focus becomes self glorification of the church or self-righteousness of the church or, um, there's still that oppression. Hey, you know, they're stained now. Remember I kind of talked about it. Like it, it's, it's just a really interesting aspect of 
when you do something wrong. But when there is like, you didn't do anything wrong, you're doing the right thing. And yet you're still being resisted by the church or leaders. It's also because there's oppression going on. The pastor may be under influence. The maybe members of the leadership are maybe members of the church are. Because I, I always go back and I, I go, if you want to have a better understanding of what I'm talking about, you need to read uh, C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. It, it just gives you that kind of a view of, even though it's not like this, a biblical in the sense of that the demons are writing other demons to go to this or try this method, but to think to think on that. To really take a moment and really think on that, you realize that there is, there has to be some, like, I mean, think about it. Demons have been around a long time. Like, we're talking long, long time, beginning of time, right? So demons have seen and watched humanity throughout all this thousands of years of existence. And have seen the sins, have seen what's Beth, the, I guess the best methods to influence humanity. And I, I even would venture that they even influence parties to create atmospheres into culture to try to pull people away from God even more. Cause it goes all the way back to understanding that to hurt God, they can't directly attack God, but the, they can hurt his creation and pull as many people as possible to go to hell with them. I want you to kind of think about that. So going back to the situation of abuse, there is perspectives or at least fruits that you can see that I will share in a second. But you can see how influence of the enemy is on people in people's own desires being egotistically milked to come out. You know, I watched as a so-called pastor would share his agendas and influence and desires that sometimes to me didn't feel as if it was God led, but his own personal desire led. And as I focused more on ministry, people were starting to like me because this is a characteristic that of someone who, in some sense, because I'm going to be sharing, I have this article that's going to pop up this week that you need to pay attention for is religious socio, excuse me, religious sociopath. It doesn't mean that every aspect of, of what's in that article is going to be seen but you'll see a lot of it but one of the major things and this is on my list is um wanting attention or want the attention they they they, they don't like when someone else starts getting the attention and i could tell you this when it got worse it was when i had some of the older members after i preached say say to me i think we found our next pastor and they went and told him that. Then he really wanted to get rid of me. And he used people and he used his wolf to get more, get, get lies that are happening or try to break me 
using other methods, which didn't break me. It doesn't mean I wasn't scathed by the what happened to me, because I can tell you this, I got a lot of spiritual scars during that time. And it was abusive, and it was mentally destructive, and it was spiritually oppressive, and it was emotionally, mentally, and everything hard for my wife and I, and even our relations with people that we thought we had, and even with the, the kids who loved us and uh, supported us and wanted to be, wanted us to keep leading them. But see, they only talked to two and use that as a tool because they had an image of what they thought ministry was supposed to look like. And what they were expecting was me to be like a form of Messiah, I guess. I don't even, I don't even like using that word, but to a Mecca to bring all these kids to the church. And I have to say, the problem is it was never going to happen while you still had people that didn't really care about ministry. Who don't really love God the way they're supposed to be. You can't see God move if you're following your own ambitions. You can't see a youth group grow if the church isn't really behind it. And it's something that I went through I know other people probably have other different types of stories. But a lot of that is would be, I guess, classified as spiritual abuse. But I will also point out, here are some other things that you could see as fruit from people who scheme using spiritual or religious perspectives as an use manipulation. We talked a little about yesterday. There is always schemes for an agenda and purpose. And I told you many times about progressive movement, about the wokeness, um, deconstruction of the faith. All of that is part of manipulation. They want to manipulate people to change the perspective of our foundation. They want us to follow their agendas for their future. In other words, they do not follow the scriptures for what the purpose is supposed to be. Our purpose as Christians, as believers, is to tell others who don't know who Christ is, what he did, and to confront our brothers and sisters in Christ um, keeping them accountable from doing the sins they're suppo not supposed to be doing. And then uh, encouraging those that are struggling and hurting to, that, Hey God, God's got you got to trust him. Hey, let's pray with you. Hey, just keep going. We're here with you. Hey, do you need help? Do you need, do you need some money? Uh, I noticed that, you know, Hey, you're struggling. I know as a husband that, you know, let's get together as men and we could talk about, you know, your feelings, your struggles, what's going on. And we could talk about it from a biblical perspective. Same with women. You know, women go through a lot of things and they struggle too. And it's, it, that's why I keep pointing out creating a, a brotherhood and a sisterhood is very vital to see growth in the family unit. And it's, it's, it's heavily needed because from that point it will build into the church as well. 
And then as members of the church, you can see whether the pastor that's over you is teaching you how to live out a godly life, or they are focused on their agenda, or they are only in it for the fame versus training, teaching you and getting you ready. Another one is, uh, they, they can be intimidating. They use intimidation factors and it's not necessarily the pastor, sometimes it's members. You'll hear stories about people who go to like churches and an example like Bethel and Elevation and Transformation. And if you were to say anything against their pastors, even even if it, it is a biblical reasoning of why it's wrong, they will defend them to no end. And they will call you a hypocrite. They'll call you divisive. They will call you the problem. When the truth is, you and I should be able to go and speak to the pastor. Say, hey, you know, I was reading the scriptures. Can you explain to me why you said this when the Bible says this? And then he should have a humble heart and say, oh, let me look at this. Oh, you were right. Oh, no, here, this is why I said it this way. And give his, give his reasoning. Then, of course, the big one, like I talked about, is they're very deeply insecure. I kind of hinted to it. Even though attention-seeking and deeply insecure are kind of intertwined because usually someone who's deeply insecure doesn't like people having attention over them. Or two, they're afraid of losing their job. Three, uh, they don't want someone to be above them. They want to you know, keep everybody underneath them. A good leader wants to see people grow further and beyond them. Where I failed and struggled, I want you to succeed. But that's where it comes down to being a disciple and discipler. Your weaknesses and my weaknesses, we can point them out to each other, but we should be encouraging each other to walk right. You see, someone who is manipulative who is trying to control the situation, who is basically being a abuser of their positions, whether it's a member, whether it's you know, at work, whatever it may be, they will show a lot of this fruit. And you will start seeing it when you start noticing it. When you ask the Holy Spirit to kind of show you, hey, I don't understand what's going on, can you clarify? Holy Spirit will. I share a couple of verses. So the first one is 2 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 12. It says, but what I'm doing, I will also continue to do so that I may eliminate the opportunity from those who want an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. I know that's a lot of words, but it's the, it's to eliminate the opportunity for boasting. <laughs> Start in verse 13, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So, you know, all those demonic images that we have created of the devil and demons, that's not necessarily true. They may look exactly like an angel, especially Satan. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, 
whose end will be according to their deeds. It will always be noticed by the fruit. When the intention is for money, power, prestige, for manipulation, <clears throat> because they're, they're deeply insecure, because they want attention, the fruits are going to represent that. It's something to think about. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. This is also another good area. It says, uh, but false prophets also appear among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will sec secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow. Many will follow their indecent behavior and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned won't look straight and in their deed in their greed they will exploit you with false words their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep that word greed doesn't necessarily mean money. Greed could be like all the fruits I talked about. They, It's all going to be about themselves. And a lot of times when it's very, very, very blatant, it is always about themselves. They glorify themselves. They, you know, I'm the prophet. I'm the way. You need to come to me. I have the answers. I have the capability. That's the other ways you're going to notice. And that does not mean just to the pastor. It could be anybody that you see. Anybody that you know, when the focus is on themselves and not God, their intentions are not necessarily going to be godly. So that being said, in the second half of this of this episode, we're going to talk about two things. One, what are people in leadership or what should we even be doing as members? And what does healing start look? What does that start to look like for us? So I will see you right after this commercial. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half. And I know this is like a, been a lot of stuff, and I know these last last one and this one are probably going to be a bit long only because there's a lot of important thoughts and being that you know this whole perspective of spiritual abuse can be very broad there's a lot of different avenues different situations that people have gone through and different examples the majority that i've experienced with people like knowing what they've gone through it's usually, I want to walk right, I speak about it, <clears throat> I ask for direction, and people don't like what I have to say, so they kind of disown me as a friend, remove me as a friend, because I don't follow the, the flow. And a lot of times it makes them feel like they are, are, are wrong, because they feel alone. Because, I mean, majority of people that I meet are so easily just jump onto the flow. And it always goes back to how much do they actually study the scriptures? How much do they actually pray? And I don't mean like praying just before food or at just a night doing the repeated prayers over and over again. But like truly, you know, you're having a hard time today. You know, you don't feel good. Oh, and, you know, 
the boss is just being a jerk, you know, and you're spending time in prayer asking God, Hey, can you help me to have a humble heart? Because I really want to wring my, my, uh, boss's neck. You know, I don't like how he's treating me. I don't like how he's treating other people. Um, help me to not jump against them because that for that example, it's kind of interesting, even though, you know, I know I'm, I'm sharing a lot of what happened to me during those six months in 2019, that wolf lady in our church was trying to rile me up. She was trying to get me to be mad. She was trying to get me to come against her. She was trying to get me to like yell at her, whether it was in front of the pastor or whether it was in front of people, she was doing whatever she could to get me to go against her so that other people can say, oh yeah, look at Dito, man. Look at how he's treating them. Look how he's treating her. And, and, oh, and that's what she was really trying to get. She was trying to create the atmosphere to go against me. But she couldn't do it that way because one of the things, you know, I told God, I was like, you know, I'm not afraid to speak up against her. And I'm willing to speak up for myself. And he said, I want you to focus on the ministry. I got your battle. And I was just like, ah. Oh, and I just sat there and I would lean back and I'm like, yes, but I could say he, he was what he wanted me to do. He wanted because he, he already knew I was going to be leaving. So I didn't, but he did. My pastor friend, Sean, told me, get ready to start packing in January. I was hoping that God was just going to clean that house and I'd be able to see the growth at some point. But, you know, God's plan was he removed me because he wanted me here in Texas and he wanted me to start this ministry. And I wouldn't be doing that if I was still out there. So looking back, I can see why things didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. So that being said, the, the whole perspective is we got to look at what does a leader necessarily look like? Like, what should it look like? Because what I thought was going to be ministry is not what I saw in the person who's, co who's called a pastor or who I saw it in was the person who's the director of family and children's ministry. And she helped me to grow a lot in understanding ministry. And then two, I had to learn on my own because I was honestly thought I was going to have someone mentor me. But he said to me, how I mentor is you watch me. And as I watched, I didn't agree with him. I, I didn't like his view of ministry. So I tried to go against the status quo. And then they started trying to go after my hours, started going after, you know, why are you spending all this time out in the streets when I was trying to meet people and talk to them and, and share with them and, and hear their stories and, and, and encourage them and pray over them and see, you know, so people, I wanted to see people would, you know, ask about who Jesus is. And he didn't like that because in his mind, you should be inside a building. And, and so I had to pull back because I didn't want them to fire me over something stupid. But instead, they had to fire me with lies. So my thing is that that's the type of what spiritual abuse can look like. So what is it that people in leadership should be? And technically, personally, I think anybody that uh, 
anybody that is technically a Christian should be doing too, because we're supposed to be disciple discipling others, right? So Jesus gave disciples, and that's who he is, um, apostles, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to and womanhood, to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love <coughs> excuse me so leaders are not the only ones that have all the gifts there can be someone who is a teacher who may not be a pastor someone who could be really good at preaching who may not be a pastor just because you have a gift doesn't mean you're supposed to be a pastor. However, pastors, in my opinion, are supposed to be trainers of people. And they have the time to do a little bit more that a person who has to work a 40-hour job can't do. So in the middle of the day at 11 o'clock, someone's like, hey, I really need to talk to you. You have the time to meet them at a coffee shop and let them talk. Buy them coffee, pray over them. Where a person who might have to work as the sheriff all day, you know, 24-7 at a small town may not be able to. It does not mean he can't mentor, care, or pray for people, but he can't do it because of, of his job. The same thing with all the other gifts, teaching, prophetics, evangelism. Apostles, even though some of those are not the same today because the defining of apostle is someone who is able to create ministry because they go and they build, basically. Um, prophetics does not necessarily mean telling the future because God has already given us the future in scriptures. But they may be someone who has insight uh, or like discernment insight of situations. Um, I do believe people are given that. And evangelists are people who travel around a lot. They like to go visit different places and they're part of ministries or they maybe preach about the gospel or they share the truth in their part. Like they're just people that travel around a lot. Shepherds, in my opinion, are the pastors, are usually people put in positions that are training, teaching other members and growing them and counseling them and, and encouraging them and studying with them and praying with them. You know, like we could, like what we think a pastor should be doing, that's what they're supposed to be doing. However, a lot of churches have become where the pastor's like, Hey, too many people, I can't handle everybody. So I pull back and I, you know, I focus on preaching and, and it's like, no, you're, you're supposed to be involved with the members. And yes, it's stressful and it's hard sometimes because there may be a time where, hey, you, you did all this stuff during the day, but at seven o'clock at night, a guy's having 
a mental breakdown and you know he doesn't understand why life is falling apart for him and he needs someone to talk to so you talked to him on the phone for two hours you see there is a responsibility of the pastor but i will tell you this you bob who worked 40 hours you should also make the time if a brother calls you at seven o'clock at night and say hey you know let's talk about this see ministry is not just for the pastors it's not for just the sunday school teachers it's not for the religious leaders of your church ministries for all of us to be doing to one another. So a person who's abusing authority of the scriptures, abusing the authority of ministry will not look like any of this. They will not be seeking unity of the faith, nor would they want to have the knowledge of the son of God for the scriptures, but for themselves you know, I am God's gift. I am the one. I am the one you need to come to. And I could tell you this most of the time, they don't really have other pastors underneath them. If they're a pastor that will say no to them because they want them to all be part of the team. And if they're not part of the team, then they're out. Because one of the things that they will do is if someone has, they're done for their use. A lot of times a wolf in sheep's clothing will just kick them out of the pack. Oh, well, you know, you've already done your part. I don't need you anymore. And some of these pastors will do the same thing. That's why you may find once in a while pastors who used to be the pastor underneath Stephen Pernick until he said something that Stephen didn't like and suddenly he's out the door. You see, that those are the fruits you got to pay attention to. Secondly, um, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. So we are supposed to be speaking the truth in love. And it should be always leading to Christ. Because you remember, I think I talked about it last week. The battle between, hey, I'm a follower of Apollo. I'm a follower of Paul. I'm a follower. And they just people were doing that. And, and Paul's like, no. Just to be a follower of Christ. Just like I'm a follower of Christ. I'm only in position of teaching you. You must also take the teachings that I've given you because they're the teachings of Christ and teach others. That's what the image of what all of this is supposed to look like. And it all leads up to doing it in love not we need to love everybody but do it in love in other words don't do it with like anger and frustration or remember we talked about last week i believe we said that how sometimes pastors will use sermons to try to and deal with problems with the church by siding with one side and not the other to point out that person's wrong in the church to make them feel bad guilty that's not doing it in love So now the rest of this conversation is going to be healing. Now I could tell you this, I'm still healing. It has been three years, no, four years, four years, July, since I was kicked out. Still healing, better than I've been, better than I felt in the first six months after being kicked out. Healing. 
some of the things that starts happening that I've noticed with people is they hold on to hurt. And we've mentioned this with anxiety stuff. We mentioned this with other conversations. <coughs> we hold on to hurt. However, as easy it is to say, we got to stop allowing the hurt to control. When you see that hurt was unjustly done to you, it hurts even more. People you trusted went against you hurts even more. People who would call your brother or sister hurting you hurts more. People who saw how you were, how you ministered to them going against you, it hurts more. Siding with someone who didn't have the best interest of the church, that hurts even more too. But it also hurts even for people who did it the right way, had issues that came up, got the things right, or trying to get back on track, and the church kicks them out because they don't want the stain. That can hurt a lot. It could be a church that decides they don't want to be a church anymore and they want to join this progressive church because things are looking great for it, even though you speak up against that and they kick you out. That can hurt a lot. It could be the pastor has his agenda. You see that this would be a really good direction. Let's pray on it. And instead of praying on it, kick you out. It could be that, you know, someone and a member of the church is doing something wrong, but because they've been a part of the church for a long time and you speak against it, they'll kick you out. You see, there's a lot of different stories that we can start throwing out there. But the truth is... Healing comes by allowing God to heal you. I've shared this before, and I remember when I joined this little prayer group that the one guy came up to me and he said, I feel God saying you need to pray for your heart. And I was like, you mean my health heart? And he goes, no, 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 the spiritual one. And that day, I remember as he placed his hand over my heart, I felt the guck and, ch and chains kind of release and let go. It didn't mean I was completely healed. <clears throat> it didn't mean I didn't hurt anymore. But there was like a, like, like a crusting that was going around my spiritual heart out of bitterness and anger and, fr and, and frustration. And I can tell you this, I still had to deal with it. I still had to cleanse it out. I still had to like kind of wipe it out over time over prayer, over asking God to continue to help and heal and, and just seeing God move in me. And I, I mean, I, like, I still struggle with some of it. Like it's still there, but it's not as bad. And I could see how God used that. I could see how God was intervening. I could see how God needed me to go through all that. So I could be a better person today for him, a better man of God for him, a better warrior for him, because I needed those scars. I needed the, the struggles, but at the same time, you know, I still pray, Lord, please heal my body and on my back and, and even my health that, you know, Lord, please just heal. I still ask for that. But at the same time, those scars did make me into who I am today. A lot of times, guys, healing is a process. It's going to take time. 
And sometimes you need to move physically away from an area. When my wife and I got kicked out, we couldn't even step into Hartford anymore. Couldn't even step in. The, the hurt was too real. The oppression was still there. And when we moved away, that's when healing could start. Sometimes you do need to physically move away an area, get away, to allow your mind and your heart to be clearer instead of being reminded over and over again of what happened. It helped. Um, other things that helped. Being in a prayer group helped. Um, talking about it. You, you do need to talk about it. And I, and sometimes, because even like my dad said, you, need to, you just need to stop talking about it. And I said, no. If I don't keep talking about it, I'm going to keep holding it in. And I was trying to not let it be just, just fill in my heart and just sit there and fester. Remember, because we talked about that. If you don't share and you don't talk about things, you fester. And festering turns into anger and resentment and frustration. And, and you, you will put yourself where you're disconnecting yourself from God. And you can't do that. I will say going to other churches did did not come easy and it didn't help when COVID was going on. So it made it even harder. It did not necessarily help us to heal hundred percent, but it was good to be away from the area somewhere else going to another church. It did help, but didn't necessarily help a hundred percent. It wasn't like, Oh, boom, you know, Hey, now things could get better. No, it didn't feel that way. You do need to find guys that you can trust and you could talk to and you could share your burden. You could share what you went through and you share the, the, the battle that you've been through. It's like telling those, you know, the, the warrior stories. It's, it's a lot like that, but at the beginning, it's going to seem super negative, super hurt, super, not what people want to hear all the time, but over time, you could start seeing how God did things, how he was involved, and you, you could start seeing that healing process kind of coming through as you talk about things. Um, I encourage people, get a journal. Uh, pray out your struggles, pray out your, your frustrations, and just let it let it go. God, like, I, you know, like we talked about the 30 minutes of worship, and that helps a lot. Doing that once in a while does help a lot. It allows me to decompress things that might be building up in my heart that I can say, Lord, here, take, um, let's see what else, what else has God done? He brings the right people. Like, you know, I told you about Ron, he was there for me during the whole year battle. And then even those last six months, Sean, he was there for me for those last six months. People, that God brings, it's amazing the timing that he brings them for the purpose of bringing them. Not all of them are going to be good people of advice because they have their own perspective of judgment of how things should be. 
but you will know when it's the right people that God brought you to help you through the struggles that you go through. And then sometimes God will put people in your life where they're struggling and it helps you to focus on helping them and encouraging them, which helps you in some ways because it places you in a perspective of not feeling useless. I will say that is one of the things that did happen was I felt maybe being in ministry was all a mistake. Maybe going to church was a mistake. Maybe like all that I, I, I thought church was about was not really, it was a ruse. So there's a lot of questions that come in. I, I know people now that, you know, the idea of going to church is far from it right now. They want to, but at the same time, they don't. And you might need that. You might need a break from a church. I wouldn't say that that you need to stay away from all together. That's that's not good either. Like I said, moving away helped. Let's see what. I mean, I, I will tell you this. Um, it takes time, guys. It will take time. Lots of time. Uh, when I hear people say, oh, I don't have any problems, I, I tell them it'll come and go. Because it's kind of like losing a sibling, a friend, or, you know, someone you care about, too. Because there'll be times where there's joy. And there's times where you'll be okay. And then suddenly something will trigger you. And you'll feel that all that hurt come back again. And if you don't deal with it, it will be bad. It'll be really harsh. It'll be, you know, it won't be healthy. It really will mess with you. And mentally, emotionally, it will mess with you. So make sure that you have someone, If you even if you don't really know them that well, but they're willing to listen and hear you and, and spend time even on a phone call conversation and you just share everything that's bugging you about it and how you were hurt, you need to talk to somebody. I do encourage even a counselor. If you feel you need a counselor, go find someone. You need to find someone to share. You need to just give it all out and just let it all out and share with them. Because having someone else look at it may give them, it may allow them to see a perspective you can't because of your hurt, or maybe there's anger involved or frustration. They can help you see a clarity that God may need you to see, but because of that hurt, you're blocking that view that he's trying to get you to see. So don't ever think, hey, I'm a man. I don't need counseling. I don't need people to be hearing me. I can handle it. I can do this. I'm, no. That's a false ideology of mankind. That's a false. I'm talking like man is in men. Manhood. It's a false ideology. You need to be able to talk to people. This is why I go back again. You need a brotherhood. You need a sisterhood, you ladies, too. You need to find ladies that you can talk to. I've seen it over and over again. When there is a group of ladies, even they come in prayer and they start talking with each other, they're able to have conversation about things that they're battling with. And then other ladies are like, oh, me too. And then suddenly verses are being shared. Suddenly conversations are being shared. Suddenly things are happening. There's healing. Guys need it too. That being said, we do have a discord. And as much as I, I know how guys are, 
we can like we could just all sit in a room and not say a word and that's enough don't be afraid to share if you're already on there don't be afraid to share concerns thoughts and battles let the guys because like you know how we are we have to spend time thinking about certain things before we just blurt out everything and then we have a tendency to want to fix everything, so we have to be careful to pull back in that that rain a little bit, so we're not always trying to fix everything. If you want to join, you gotta join the page, then join the group, because in the group, when I can I can use that to let me know who you are, because I don't want trolls to get into our Discord, which is highly possible. Because I've had random people join the Christian gaming community that I'm in, I'm in that are trolls and not actually members. So once you do that, I, you know, reach out to me, reach out to any of the guys. They may that are in the Discord will probably put the link in for you and get you in. And then ask, get involved, um, share prayer requests. You know, one of the guys said, you know, I I, re I forgot about the app because it is an app too. Discord is an app. And I have it buried in there. Don't bury it. Get it up where it's visible. And when you're like, man, I'm having a really rotten day, go in there, reach out, say, hey, guys, can you pray for me? I'm having a hard day today. And guys will see it and they will pray. I can't build a community if nobody's willing to build it with me. I can share all this information. But it's not going to help anybody if nobody's saying anything. And it's the same thing with the these uh, podcasts I do. You want to see people change? You want to see people grow? Share. Share these with people. Because that will get them to see things. Maybe they'll hear something that, you know, that impacted you that they can be impacted. Share. Share it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or even just say, hey, I have this guy that I listen to. Check him out. Maybe even have your pastors hear me and see if they would be interested in sharing other guys. I don't care. My Like I said, my goal is to see you guys <clears throat> grow in Christ, to be changed for God and be impacted. That's all I want. That is why, you know, the spiritual abuse that we have also gained is that we've been told men don't need to share about anything. Share. <laughs> Share your heart, share your problems, reach out to a pastor, reach out to a guy friend, you know, open up because you don't want to keep holding on to those things that we've been battling. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask you to bless this conversation. I ask you to give us courage to share, courage to speak, courage to talk to other men about our battles and our issues. If we struggle with abuse, spiritual abuse from, you know, churches or pastors or members, Lord, allow us to be able to... Uh, ask you to clean our hearts and our minds to be able to get the guck out to be able to start healing if we need to move make it very clear for them to move away from the area that they're at or from the church that they're at so that they are not being put into the situation of constant terror and struggle and frustration and oppression by evil spirits who are trying to make it hard lord help these guys Help these guys to discover what it means to be on the process of healing. Thank you for all that you do, Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name. Guys, you have a blessed week. I hope this is encouraging. I hope this will show you a direction that you need to go for your walks and maybe even start a healing process. And I will see you next time. God bless.